and we're back here on Inside Black and Gold. This is the Friday edition, which means it is the preview edition for the Saints Week 3 matchup. Saints-Packers, noon central at Lambeau Field. I'm Jeff Nowak, as always, alongside Steve Geller. And we are bringing in special guest Steve Sparky Pfeiffer from 1250 AM, the fan in Milwaukee. He's a busy guy. He's also the host of the Curtin Long podcast covering the Packers. He hosts the Green and Growing podcast covering the Milwaukee Bucks. And even in his spare time, he has the spare time <laughs> bowling show covering the Professional Bowling Association, the PBA. Steve, when do you sleep? Uh, yeah, well, I, I sleep uh, five hours a night. I got plenty of time. It's all good. And it's a lot of fun, man. It's a lot of fun uh, coming on and doing podcasts and doing podcasts and Everybody was, you know, nowadays everybody can do a podcast, I guess, because uh, <laughs> that's kind of where we are at or whatever the case may be. Uh, but always fun. Uh, thanks for having me on. Well, we'll just get right into this. I, you know, it's funny. I was actually at the Saints facility yesterday and someone walked out and said, hey, Jordan Love is making his debut at Lambeau Field. And all I could hear was love making. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the, it's always an interesting Yo. experience when you go from a legend to a, a quarterback that you just don't know what to expect from. The Saints are, did that with Jameis Winston. Now, you know, it's obviously Derek Carr. But, you know, Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love, that is Huge. You know, it's it's the biggest quarterback change since Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, that went pretty well. How has the reception been thus far for Jordan Love? It seems like it's going pretty well for a guy making his first real his really his first few starts uh, for the new team. Yeah, no doubt. I I think Packer fans uh, are very, very happy with what they've seen so far from Jordan Love. And I think Packer fans get even more happy when you see all of these guys that do film analysis all over social media and on ESPN and so forth then they start talking about Jordan Love and what they love about Jordan Love and how great Jordan Love is, then you feel even better about it because it's like, okay, I'm a Packer fan, so of course I'm going to like my quarterback. I think he's really good. But when, when you get the affirmation from these film analysts that what you're seeing is real, that he really is this good, I think you get excited. And then you see stuff like this. Wes Hotkowitz from the, the Packers tweeted this out. Jordan Love uh, is obviously the new starting quarterback with room to grow, but this staff from the NFL is still kind of bonkers. He's a fourth quarterback in the last 10 years to have three passing touchdowns, no interceptions, each of the first two games of a season. The others, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, and Peyton Manning. That's wow. it. That's the list. That's a pretty solid list um, to be on. Right. And I'm not saying he's a Hall of Famer, but when you're a Packer fan, you get excited when you see stuff like that, right? You're like, hell yeah. All right. This is good. We got a good guy. And it's funny because we were talking about it, uh, Jeff, when you were on Kurt and Long, my podcast uh, the other day. Uh, about when you start looking at that quarterback film school or whatever the case may be with JTO Sullivan doing that. I watched that thing last night and you just shake your head like, man, you know, they might actually have another really good quarterback in Green Bay and they're not may not be that struggle to find a starting quarterback like the Saints have kind of been going through to find that next guy after Drew Brees. The Packers may have gotten lucky again. Uh, one of the big things right off the bat, obviously the initial injury report stands out. Uh, a lot of a lot of guys on that offensive side of the football appeared on there. Uh, what is, I guess, your take or inclination of or what we're going to see from guys like Bakhtieri, uh, Jenkins, Aaron Jones going into uh, week three? Because those are some significant pieces, even Christian Watson going along for that offense. David Bakhtiari is the story right now because David Bakhtiari didn't play last week. They were on turf. David Bakhtiari. Uh, his brother went to social media and kind of insinuated that it was because they were on turf why David Bakhtiari wasn't playing. So David Bakhtiari had a sore media around his locker yesterday going, hey, dude, what's the deal? And he pretty much said that, that he told his brother, tweet what you want. It's your social media account. I'm not going to control you. Do what you want. 
Uh, so now he's got to sit there and do that. And then, of course, he rips all the media members that went <laughs> with the social media tweet and said, you know, you should probably should double check, you know, with me before you go tweet something like that out or whatever the case may be. Uh, and said that he's hurt. He's been battling the same knee thing since he uh, he messed up the ACL, you know, three years ago. Uh, and it's no different than it, it was before. He's just having issues. So if he plays, I feel better. Right. At left tackle, I feel better. Elton Jenkins, right. a left guard. They did not put him on the IR. He has a sprained MCL from the last game. And uh, they said that they're not putting him on the IR because they think he can be back essentially within four weeks. So uh, I don't think he's going to play against the Saints, however. So that's probably their two best offensive linemen. Uh, I would guess Bakhtiari will play, is my guess, because it's at Lambeau, even though he says the turf doesn't matter. Uh, I'm guessing Bakhtiari. <laughs> Jenkins is not going to play. They have not said what they're going to do. Uh, they do have options, though. They have some depth at offensive line. Running back Aaron Jones worked out with him inside, didn't come outside, so I, I don't think that's looking so good. Uh, Christian Watson was outside running routes uh, and doing stuff with the team, so that looks like a better scenario of him actually getting uh, on the field at this point and going from there. Christian Watson playing is a huge difference. It just is. He's their best receiver. They have more than just him as a deep threat now after this rookie class that they just brought in last year. He was their only deep threat. Uh, but he still is, he's got potential to be a megastar. You know, his his hands are a little bit inconsistent, but if he if he figures that out, he, he could be a really big-time wide receiver in the NFL. The back to yard stuff is fascinating, and obviously this big turf versus grass debate, the Packers have grass, so it's not a huge issue in terms of the home games. But, you know, I blame the Packers slightly for this, because even on the injury report, like David Bakhtiari says, I have an E, and I, I didn't watch the whole interview, but I watched a bit where he kind of went, it's like, hey, did you did you write that story? And the guy was like, no. And anyway, I do get a kick out of it when the when the players are like, that's not journalism. Right. But, you know, they have him listed on the injury report as not injury related, then hyphen rest slash knee. And it's like, why? If it's not injury related, then it's not injury related. But then they say he has an injury. So clearly there's something that's disconnected there mm-hmm. in terms of, he's resting and the team like if it was a knee injury all you have to say is knee they don't they're not required to report anything else if he's dealing with a knee injury so what is your read on that do you do you think that he's kind of being facetious there because to me it's like well he has signed a contract and the contract probably stipulates that he plays on all field conditions the raiders used to play on a goddamn baseball field <laughs> right. uh, you know like what what is going on there because it just it doesn't it something seems fishy well the knee is has been an issue ever since he heard it um and there was a great story on cheesehead tv uh, a website i think it was beginning of last year somewhere along that line and bakhtiari goes in a great depth of all the fluids he's continuously having to drain out of his knee wow. even since that he's had multiple surgeries uh, since the acl uh, injury as well so something that a lot of guys come back from within a year he can't get over the hump uh, last year it was just like this year. It was week to week. Didn't practice at all. Uh, would play one week, not play the next week. Play one week, then sit out two games or whatever the case may be. You just didn't know what you were getting. And that's the unfortunate thing for the Packers with Jordan Love. You you want the all-pro left tackle because when he plays, he's good. He's really good. It's, it's not really affecting his play necessarily. It's just, I, I guess, a pain tolerance thing one way or the other. Now, the turf thing, I don't know, man. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and call David Bakhtiari a liar, but... Uh, at the same point, David Bakhtiari can't exactly come out and and tell everybody that he's not going to play on turf fields the rest right. of the year. I mean, 
that, that'd be a horrible look. Packer fans would lose their minds. Like, I, I understand you got hurt on a turf field and, and you don't want to go back through that experience. And you are like one of the most vocal guys on social media about getting rid of turf fields in the NFL. We get all of that. But now you're you're possibly costing this team wins because of you trying to take your stance. So he's not going to publicly say that one way or the other. And David Bakhtiari used to be on the afternoon show. I used to do with Gary Ellerson and Roy Butler. He was a weekly guest. I love Bakhtiari. I think he's great. So I, I don't know what's going on. I, I'll take his word, I guess, that that, that knee is still not fixed uh, and still acting up, which means it's going to be a long year for this Packers team. And hopefully the depth they have, which are young guys for the most part, can hold up and, and Jordan Luck can still stay in that clean pocket because for the most part, he really hasn't had to deal with a whole bunch of pressure necessarily. They applied some pressure last year in the Fal- or last week in the Falcons game in the second half, but through preseason, week one against the Bears, clean pocket, had all day to throw, and now we'll see what the, what the Saints bring to town in week three. Uh, over here, we're hoping to see that Saints offense, especially the run game, get rolling. And I know the pack for the, for the first you know couple games haven't had uh, an easy time stopping the run, obviously. Uh, what, what's been the issues there? Because I know there's a, a lot of first-round picks invested over on that side of the football. The defensive coordinator is an idiot. Um, <laughs> that's, that's the extent of it. Uh, most of the fan base wanted Joe Barry gone uh, last year. Uh, and then Joe Barry keeps his job, and you had... <laughs> Uh, every name defensive coordinator has been in the league available uh, to be hired this last offseason. Leslie Frazier is still out there. And you you maintain with Joe Barry. Now, again, this is Matt LaFleur's guy, right? Uh, he he went and brought him in. He worked with Joe Barry in the past, so this is his guy. But guys, check this out. Matt LaFleur last year, this has been going on, where things aren't going right at halftime. LaFleur goes in and tells Joe Barry, hey, I want this and this and this fixed and changed, and this is what I want you to do. And then Joe Barry makes the change, and they go. And then Matt LaFleur tells the media after the game that, oh, yeah, I, I want to talk to Joe, blah, blah, blah. Right. What? So you're he, essentially helping to run the defense as much as you're helping to run the offense because your defense coordinator can't figure it out. Now, coming into this year, it was, we're going to listen to our players more. So last year on the exit interviews, instead of, hey, I want you to work on this, I want you to work on this, they didn't do that. They had Joe Barry, and I don't know if Matt LaFleur was involved or not, but they asked the players, what do you want to do next year on defense? How do you want us to play? What do you want to do? Because Jair Alexander was feeling mad last year that he wasn't getting the number one wide receiver consistently and complaining in the media about it, went into Joe Barry's office complaining about he wanted Justin Jefferson and he wasn't going to take no for an answer anymore after the first time they played the Vikings and he didn't get him. So that kind of changed things. So now this year, they're playing more aggressive. They're they're playing more bump a little bit and playing more up on the line of scrimmage because typically with Joe Barry, you're playing five to seven, eight yards off the ball and giving all this cushion. And these DBs do not want to play that way. And they've kind of made that change. The other change that's happened is Kenny Clark, who is one of the better nose tackles in football, uh, they moved him off uh, to the right side and they let TJ Slayton, who they drafted a couple of years ago, in the middle. He's where at 93, the great digger Gilbert Brown. Remember him from the Packers? His old number even did the little Gilbert Brown celebration in the preseason after he had a sack. And he's a big, wide body that's that's commanding some some double teams now in the middle, which is good. He gets that push. Stopping the run has been an issue for this team. I don't know, go back three or four defensive coordinators. It's always been an issue for the Packers for whatever the reason. Um, so it, could you have success? Yes, because I think different from Atlanta where it was a no-brainer, stop the run, Ritter can't beat you. I don't think that's the case. I, I think with Olave, and even though Mike Thomas isn't Mike Thomas, they have enough with a veteran quarterback, they can beat you throwing. You can't you know, go into this game going, stop the run at all costs. I think the run is secondary. I, I think you have to focus on Olave first uh, and then play off of that and hope you're you're good enough to stop 
what is this, your third string running back, whatever the case may be going forward, you hope you're good enough to stop a third string running back? I don't know. Yeah, well, we're going to talk about uh, the whole running back situation in the final segment of this podcast. But yeah, so Kendra Miller is the rookie. No one really knows you're going to see out of him, but he's going to make his debut. So it's going to be fascinating. You know, uh, you're, you're talking about the defense. So I want you to hear Derek Carr's breakdown of the Packers defense. And I want to hear from you whether you think he's on point. So let's hear that. Uh, Green Bay, they so much talent. You know, they, they fly around. Uh, Jair is one of the best players in the NFL. He's unbelievable. You know, he was with me in uh, Vegas for a little bit. I know the type of player and the competitor that he is. He's awesome. Uh, they, they got safeties that can fly. They fly around, make plays. You know, they, they want to come downhill and hit you. Uh, the linebackers inside, very smart players, physical players, can run also sideline to sideline. Uh, they do a good job inside. You got some young players mixed with a, an amazing veteran. Another one of our best players is 97. You know, Kenny Clark is an unbelievable player. You know, he, he can cause havoc in the run game. He can shed and get off blocks and win in the pass game, create big plays. And on the edge, they got two rushers that can get after it. And, you know, they, they present a lot of problems that way. And so uh, they got a young kid that they drafted there, too. Uh, whether he's in or not, don't know. But, you know, there's just, they have some, they've, they've assembled a lot of talent. And Green Bay's been really good at doing that over the years he's just assembling talent and putting it all together with a great scheme you know they they they, they can go in and create a lot of havoc for you as a quarterback and as a in a, in a run game offensive line uh, with the movement and all this kind of the blitz the single high the shell they, they do a lot of good stuff and so they in a nutshell uh, in about 30 seconds I'll tell you I couldn't tell you more about what we talked about for the last eight, six hours, but you know, there's there's a lot that they can do to create problems and mismatches, and it's going to take our best effort to you know score points against them. Yeah, I think you mentioned you know all the talent. I think it's eight first round picks on this defense. Like it is, yep. it is, it is studded with players. <clears throat> yeah, uh, and the, the safeties. That's just that's just not true. I, that that no, they're not good. They're not good at all. In fact, Darnell Savage was benched last year. Uh, the other starting safety uh, is Rudy Ford. He was benched last year. And they brought a couple of free agents in that couldn't even beat out these two. I, literally, in training camp, it was, well, let's see who wins the safety position. That's all they kept saying, the coaching staff. And guess what? Nobody played well enough to technically win it. So they just went back to the two guys they benched last year and Darnell Savage and Rudy Ford to try and figure it out. They're not good at safety. They're horrible <laughs> at safety. And Savage, you know, he played. he's played better the first couple of weeks, but it's just a matter of time before he rears his ugly head and blows an assignment or uh, does something stupid. So no, their safety play is horrible. No, they're, they're no uh, corners Rajul Douglas and Jerry Alexander. Yeah, that's true. I, I agree on both of those assessments. Uh, linebackers are very athletic Quay Walker. their number one pick from last year uh, in the middle. Uh, but again, he's still young raw. He's still kind of figuring things out when he stops thinking and starts playing. He's going to be an absolute beast because the dude is just a stud athletically. When he played at Georgia, you can see that Devontae Wyatt, the defensive lineman from Georgia. He's played well. Uh, better this year than he did last year, too, that they drafted him last year. Then Lucas Van Ness is who he's talking about, the kid out of Iowa uh, who got hurt the last game, but he practiced uh, on Wednesday. So he he should be good to go, I would assume. Uh, he had an elbow issue, I think it was. Uh, and then, of course, Preston Smith's getting a little bit older, but he's still semi-consistent. And Rashawn Gary's a beast. I don't think he gets talked enough about. He will by the end of the year if he can stay healthy. He's coming off that knee injury from last year. Uh, and he's looked really good in two weeks, too. So they'll be able to get some pressure on the quarterback. I'm assuming, I'm, I, I believe they'll be able to get pressure on Derek Carr. Uh, the question will be, uh, really, at the end of the day is, can they have enough of a running game so they can't pin their ears back and come after Derek Carr? If they can be good enough on the ground running the football, the Saints, uh, then I think they can move the football on the Packers. If they can't, then it might be a long day for Derek Carr. Uh, looking at the a noon start Lambeau Field, 
Uh, what is the home crowd going to be like? I, I know typically for Saints games, the tailgating and pregame uh, takes a little while, obviously, folks to get revved up. Uh, I guess you could say liquored up for the games too. Just how <laughs> how like wild and frothing is that uh, the Packers faithful for that early start? Do they, they show up pretty good for the noon games or does it take a while to get things going? Because I know, like I said, in the Superdome, sometimes those, new, those noon starts, it takes a little little bit for the Houdat Nation to get revved up. No, they'll be drunk. A day drinking in Wisconsin. People <laughs> had a Bloody Mary at 7 a.m. Get ready, pregaming. People here, they start drinking at pregame at home, and then they go to have the actual party when they get there to tailgate. Oh, no, alcohol in Wisconsinites. No, that no, they're two in the same. That That's yeah, our, legit. Our problem is I, I know everyone's drinking early, too. It's just the fact that them showing up to the stadium for kickoff on time, even with the Huda chant that we have for every pregame. Sure. Uh, it, it just seems a while for folks to filter in for those nooners. Look at look at Badger games at Camp Randall. It's oh, it's true, been an right? ongoing problem forever. Those students are doing beer bongs off the second floor of the houses they're renting and everything else leading up to the game. They don't come into the game until end of first quarter. And Luke Fickle's like, well, how do we fix it? Oh, <laughs> so they gave away free bucket hats, I think, trying to get them in to the students. And they were there by kickoff and they're trying to figure out. But again, even the college students, they're drinking and partying before they even get to the Badger game. So, I mean, the Packer fans will be loud. I mean, they'll be into it. The ongoing struggle that Matt LaFleur has had for the last couple of years, and he's voiced his displeasure about this, is Packer fans, for smart as everybody thinks we are, mm, eh, not so much. <laughs> I mean, just cheering at the right time. Like when you're on offense, shut up. Like nobody, you do not need to be loud when we're on offense. Or how about doing the wave when we're on offense and doing stuff like that? It just it's mind boggling. And it was happening in preseason again. It was the exact same thing that we saw last year happening in the regular season. That has to be fixed. And I I don't know how they fix it. I mean, they've tried stuff on the Jumbotron. They have a brand <laughs> gigantic new Jumbotron uh, now at Lambeau. That's I don't know if it's the biggest or one of the biggest uh, in professional football that they added this year. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're going to be loud one way or the other. And it's nice outside. So everybody yeah. won't be freezing. Uh, which means I can drink even longer. So, yeah, it, it'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, I was excited when the schedule came out and I saw this in week three and not week yeah. even 13. Because, you know, it's like it doesn't it, – it's – I'm probably going to be cold up there. Like, what's the temperature no. in, in Green Bay right now? Oh, I don't know. It's supposed to be like 75, 76 today. So, wow. it'll probably be in the 70s, I would assume, for the game. I haven't looked that far ahead. but Yeah, but yeah, what is it when 70s. you wake up in the morning? That's the question. 50s. I think yes, it's like 56 50s. this morning. I'm going to have to unpack clothing to bring with me that I have not worn in eight months just for that. Sure, <laughs> I am not need prepared a light for jacket. <laughs> a light jacket in the morning. That's all you need. I mean, if you experience cold job, you could come crash by me come February when it's like minus six when we wake up. I'll show you cold. This ain't right. cold, man. Right. That's that 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 NFC championship game in Green Bay is like I'm I'm forever terrified of of having to stand on the sidelines uh, for that. I grew up in, in New England, so I, I know what it's like. And uh, I remember watching that Tom Coughlin face get redder and redder. Yes. And redder. <laughs> I thought he was going to die on the sidelines of that game. But yes, you know, I, I always compare Green Bay to New Orleans in a sense, because you know, there's a lot of teams in these major markets, in these major cities, New York, Chicago, Dallas. And it's like the, the the football stadium is kind of an afterthought. They like move it off to the side. They don't even have it in the city. It's It's got its name on it. Well, New Orleans, the Superdome is right downtown. The 
the Packers Lambeau field. It's just right in the middle of green Bay. It's just, that, that's what it's built around. And there's just this community around the team yeah. that exists in a way that I don't think is true in a lot of other markets. And I'm curious what you think about that, because when, when the saints are bad, the city is a different place. <laughs> it's oh, yeah. a different environment. Yeah. Like people just aren't having as much fun. Um, but when the team is good, you really finally get to like, it's been two years since the Saints have made the playoffs and you can feel it. The emotion around this team is different when they're not good. And I'm curious what, and when you obviously Aaron Rodgers goes out of town, you don't know what to expect. How, how has the fan base kind of handled that? Because it's, you know, when Drew Brees retired, it felt like a funeral. Um, and, <laughs> you know, and it's yep. taken a while. You know, it, it takes a while to come back from that. I'm curious what you think about that. Just, just take a second now and think about covering the Lions for, say, 20 years. Imagine right. what that feels like. Yeah. Um, because, again, both of our franchises have been blessed with Hall of Fame quarterbacks that you expect to go to the playoffs every year. That's just a thing, right? Now imagine being in a city that never gets to the playoffs, have had crap at quarterback forever. It's even worse. I think from a, from a, from a Packer fan standpoint, I think we all knew the window was closing on Rodgers. Uh, and we didn't know what we were getting with Jordan Love. So it's like, you better get that second one with Aaron before this is over. Because there are a lot of Packer fans, myself included, that are disappointed with how this whole thing played out with Favre and Rodgers. I mean, you had a Hall of Fame quarterback for 30 damn years or more than that. You got two rings. I know it's hard to get a Super Bowl. I know everybody tells me it's so hard. But if you think of some of the stupid crap they've been through, that 2014 one, still, you say 2014 to a Packer fan, you might as well just stab him in the chest. That loss <laughs> to the Seahawks where they were way up. I was hosting a Packer party uh, at a sports bar here, Quaker Steak and Lube. It's a national chain. And we were doing it, and literally with five minutes to go in the game, the entire bar was going, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. And then they lost it. Uh, and everybody walked out. It was like a funeral procession as everybody walked out, and people still haven't haven't moved on from it. So there's there is... A lot of that emotion wrapped up of they never finished, they never finished, they never finished. By the time Rodgers got done last couple of years by him doing the Pat McAfee show and all this other stuff, Tiger fans were just like, dude, we're done. Just go. <laughs> but whatever it is with Jordan Love, we'll deal with. When Brett was going through that thing, it was Packer Nation split. There were people that hated Brett. And then there were people that loved Brett and screw Mike McCarthy, screw Ted Thompson. People jumped off being a Packer fan and said, we're not coming back until they're gone. Uh, and now some of those people have finally come back. Uh, so it really divided Packer Nation. The Rodgers thing, nah. Uh, for the most part, a majority of people were ready for him to move on. And we're fine with it. And even if Jordan Love would have stunk, they were fine. They just were done with the drama and didn't want to deal with Aaron anymore. So in Chicago, there's Steve Bartman. In, in New Orleans, there's Bill Vinovich. Is is the Green Bay version of that, is it Brandon Bostic? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you're specifically told, don't touch the ball. And then you go and touch the ball. Um, and Never it's funny because yeah. he will tweet and talk about the Packers and so forth. And I think for the most part, everybody's kind of stopped going at him on social media and have moved on. Um, and he's got some Packer fan support. And when he talks about mental health, Packer fans will kind of, you know, oh, yeah, good, good job. Blah, 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 blah. And he talks about rough times he's been through or whatever. So, yeah, I don't know. But, yeah, the Brandon Bostic thing. Yeah. Yeah. Say that name. Everybody knows who he is. No question about it. And even if you go back to think about Brett Favre. I mean, some of the dumb stuff we went through with him. I mean, there, there was a, a game against the Rams. He threw, hey, I think it was the Rams, yeah, Aeneas Williams. He threw six interceptions in a playoff game. He made Aeneas Williams a Hall of Famer all by himself. There was the fourth and 26 game where Freddie Mitchell, FedEx right. Freddie, 
caught that yeah. ball on fourth yeah. and 26 in a playoff yeah. game. What? <laughs> I mean, some of the stuff and how they've lost games, it's just you shake your head and go, how does that happen? Just how? How does it? Colin Kaepernick, the Niners have owned the Packers forever. Just can't stop the run. They ran for, who was it? Was it that game too, yeah. like 200 <laughs> yards against them? I mean, my God. Horrible. I feel like that game is the reason people keep saying every time a quarterback goes down, go get Kaepernick. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly right. Yes. Thank the Green uh, Bay Packers. All right, Steve, uh, I know you're a busy guy. Talking to Steve Sparky Pfeiffer from 1250 AM, the fan in Milwaukee. Check it out. Also the host of Curtin Long podcast on the Odyssey Network. And, and Steve, before I let you go, I always ask our guests, what is your score prediction for this game? Well, that's fair because I got your prediction on Curtin yes, Long. Yes. Uh, so we're, we're going to go back uh, and I, I'm going to say there, there's a little part of me that if this was an Aaron Rodgers team, I'd be concerned about more because they have the Detroit Lions who they're going to battle for the division more than likely on Thursday night football, just a few days later. But this is a young team that's just trying to win each game as best they can. And I, I don't think they're looking ahead and, and, and thinking about the Detroit Lions game necessarily. Matt LaFleur said he has changed the practice schedule this week. Uh, to get ready for that Lions game on Thursday. So he shortened practice yesterday, took some stuff off the back end to give him a little bit more extra rest and so forth. Uh, I, I think the Packers win this football game mainly because it's at Lambeau. I think if this was in New Orleans, I'd probably take the Saints. But because it's at Lambeau, I think that's good. I think that allows Bakhtiari to probably get on the football field and play, which I think will be huge for this team if he can play left tackle. Uh, and this offense is just getting better and better as far as, you know, figuring out how to play together with these young wide receivers and and Jordan Love. So I'll say the Packers uh, win this game 27 to 20 over the Saints. You know, a fun fact that, that you'll appreciate, the only time a guest has ever come on here and predicted their own team lost was the Vikings last year. And the Vikings ended up winning. <laughs> Who was it? Who was the guest? Uh, I can't remember. I can't recall his name. I'd I have to. Either, uh, right? Something, uh, Ms. Mazik Bani or, or uh, huh. oh man, he also covers, he also covers the uh, cocky team. Um, but I'd have, to, I'd have to go check. Either wow. way, thanks so much for your time, Steve. And everybody busy. Uh, good luck. And uh, are you, are you going to be at the game on Sunday? Uh, no, no, I'm not okay. going to get Well, I won't see you there then, no. but I'll let no, you know. No, you will, you will definitely not see me there. I'll be on my couch uh, enjoying watching <laughs> uh, the football game. And you enjoy Titletown. It's not the same as it used to be necessarily because, yes, the neighborhood's there, but Green Bay bought half of Green Bay, or the Packers yeah. bought half of Green Bay <laughs> to build Titletown, cool. bought people's houses, bought stores, restaurants, knocked it all down, built it the way they wanted. But I still think it's an awesome experience. And I think if you're coming in as a fan that's never been to Green Bay, I think Lambo should be a bucket list thing. I do. Like Fenway. Right. Uh, Wrigley, which has been renovated yep. and redone like Fenway. That's also should be probably be a bucket list thing, too. That's in the middle of a neighborhood, kind of similar to what Lambo is. But I definitely think it's a bucket list thing. I, I, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. No question. Yeah, I got to go for those joint practices last year and oh. had a blast uh, up there. It was it was a great time. Yeah, all the neighborhood bars in the area that you can go to, like Stadium yep. View and those those places and Kroll's. Go have a burger over at Kroll's, Jeff. If you've never done that, that's fun right by the stadium. That's a a quick walk. What, what's your what's your thing to do in Green Bay, Jeff? Do you do you go out or do you go from hotel room, stadium, hotel room, stadium? I've never been, so this will be the first. Oh, time. you've so never been? Out. Yeah. Yeah. This, is my first, this is my first year on the sideline. Steve used to be the sideline reporter, right? So he's now I'm now I'm in that role. So I'm I'm traveling. So I'm going to all these stadiums for the first time. So it's exciting. It's like I'm taking a tour. Uh, so oh, I'll man. check out crawls. That's what I'll do. Hell yeah, yeah, yeah. No doubt that that's that's been uh, that's a, a Packer 
uh, game legend. And then before games, they scalp t- people will scalp their tickets in there and stuff and try and sell tickets and so forth. That and then Stadium View Bar is the other one that's been there forever in a day. Uh, and they do huge parties and stuff like that. So, yeah, you'll have a good time. Gotcha. Well, Steve Sparky Pfeiffer, thanks so much. Really do appreciate it. And uh, good luck this weekend. Oh, and go to the Packer Hall of Fame while you're in the stadium. Absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. Have a good one. Thank you, Sparky. All right. That was Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. Really great nickname. Uh, I wish I had a wish I had a nickname. I know I know Deuce is like actively trying to get a nickname and uh, Mike's giving him Deuce Bigelow. And I'm just not sure that works (laughs) um, considering the context of it all. But, you know. It's, yeah, uh, I don't think Deuce, Deuce's wife wants him to be known as Bigelow. <laughs> <laughs> it's rough. Anyway, all right. That was, that was a long segment. We're going to come back and hit something really quick. quick. Speaking of Deuce, we're going to get his take on Kendra Miller and what he expects to see. What, you know, what, what are the struggle points? You know, we're going to talk about that. So keep it locked on Inside Black and Gold getting ready for week three Saints Packers up in Lambeau. Let's do it.